0: second part is that yes in gaming you end up interacting with people whom you otherwise wouldn't so it nurtures that online communication where there is a common topic
1: so if you ask some of the kids today they would say their social network is actually fortnite and that's how people get together and they plan their stuff sometimes they're not even playing the game they're just interacting with each other inside a game and they're attending music concerts inside a game and this is something that is completely mind-boggling
2: to Prime Venture Partners Podcast, a podcast for entrepreneurs looking to build and grow their startups. Learn about uncommon strategies and common traps from makers and doers of startup ecosystem. Hello and welcome to Prime Ventures Podcast. Today, we will talk about the exciting and fast-evolving field of gaming and Web3 gaming. Our guests today are Kashyap Reddy and Kirti Singh, co-founders of HitWicket, which is globally the largest cricket strategy game. So I'm really excited to have Kirti and Kashyap with us today.
0: Welcome to the show. Thanks, Sriprithi. Very happy to be part of the podcast. And uh, yes, gaming is one of uh, the most exciting things happening around. So would love to chat about it.
1: Hey, Sriprithi, thanks for having us over.
2: So wonderful! So, without any any further ado, uh, just to give a little bit of background to our listeners, what is HitWicket? All right.
1: So, HitWicket is a cricket strategy game. Now, when you look, think about cricket. Like, there's so many billions of people who watch cricket, and every time, like, you know, if you look at the conversations, what they talk about, like, who is going to bowl next? Is this kind of a bowler? Who should be the captain? Cricket is a game of strategy. And we wanted to build a game that will capture the imagination of the spectator. People are watching cricket, that how can they experience this emotion inside a game? And that's why we built HitWicket as a game where you are the owner, coach, and captain of a virtual cricket team. Where in this virtual world, you are a cricket team owner and you're competing with other users from across the globe in this game of strategy. That's how we had envisioned our uh, product.
2: So it's a, uh it's a mobile game right it's if it's a player played on your mobile and i go ahead and create uh, um I create my own team and compete uh but what kind of stri- when you say it's a strategy game what what exactly do you mean and how is it different than uh, you know and what is a non strategy game i guess in in the same genre okay
1: it can define what's a non strategy game would be something where you are reliant on your hand eye coordination and your reflexes where you swipe and hit right it tends to be much more appealing towards a younger audience. A game of strategy would be where you are thinking, you're making decisions on the go, right? It's like a game of poker, right? At every step of the way, you are computing what all is happening in the field and then making decisions in real time. For example, in our game, we have various characters inside the game, and depending on various math situations, they perform in different ways the great thing is since we are not tied to real world cricket it's a completely virtual world you are the main commander where you have all the power in the world to make a difference
2: so uh would the player also then uh well in cricket in in, in real cricket you know players kind of uh become better over time uh, Uh, Right. Or, uh, you know, they might actually start taking strike and then after some time, you know, and they're used to the conditions, they'll start playing better, etc. Do any of those things also, uh, are they part of it? Yes.
1: So as you keep playing, you have an opportunity to evolve your players so that they get better at certain positions, they get better at their core skill, or you can even turn them into all rounders. So the great thing is it gives you the power to do everything because it's a virtual world. You control every
2: aspect of the gameplay. Okay. So I think uh, uh, that that's, uh, um, that clarifies the strategy part of things, but uh, tell us like how you got into gaming in the first place and uh, a little bit of the backstory here uh, to to set the context. All right.
1: So Ever since I was 10 years old, I had a quirky hobby of designing board games. So my school notebooks used to be full of board games that I used to draw. And that was always been the motiv- understanding the motivation of the user. What makes something fun to play has always been something that's very intriguing to me. Even when people would pay, you know, I would try to devise ways as to how to make it more fun. Right. And uh, uh, after I grew up more than I uh, started playing a lot of online games, there was one Football strategy game, which was the uh, biggest one in the world at that point of time, where I got really hooked on to and I became the number one player from India in that game. And uh, and then that's where the idea kind of uh, was ingrained in me that, okay, cricket is even more of a game of strategy. Why don't we build a game of strategy for cricket? And particularly with the percolance of IPL, you know, People from across the socioeconomic strata are now familiar with the concept of owning a cricket team and competing in the league, player options. What if we could capture all this inside the game, how amazing it can be? And uh, that's kind of uh, really got us uh, motivated to build Hitwicket.
0: One of the other core pillars of building Hitwicket was that if you look at cricket in the real world, The kind of PG that it attracts, right? From a young kid to somebody who's an old person, from women to men. It's got that mass appeal, which resonates across everybody. And that is something that we wanted to capture in HitWicket, that even the users of mobile game uh, of HitWicket should be that widespread. And that's a very conscious uh, decision in the design making, where we try to make the game very accessible. Anybody can play. It doesn't require any hand-eye coordination, which makes it very targeted to a male audience. Even the characters in the game uh, have women characters. If you see uh, IPL, you have Meeta Ambani, Preeti Zinda. You know, a lot of female who are actually very actively associated with the sport. So, yeah, that is one that that was one missing part in the cricket gaming ecosystem where the games were still about male cricket teams. And we wanted that, you know, it is inclusive of everybody.
2: And I think it's going to further further improve with uh, the Indian women's uh, cricket team performing so well just from the Asia Cup uh, yeah. and, and so forth. So I will just have more. Uh, more heroes uh, or heroines, I guess, uh, from uh, from the cricket uh, from women's side as well. So I completely agree with you. It's just uh, it's a game with with uh, universal appeal. So why is this? If I take a step back, uh, why is this an exciting time for gaming in general,
1: or is it? <laughs> so I think it's a phenomenal time and space to be in. Because you see the percolance of the entertainment industry altogether. I, I look at gaming as part of the wider media and entertainment industry. And if you look at the most successful startup in the world right now, TikTok, is about entertainment. right? We're reaching a space in the uh, economy of the world where more people are investing in experiences. right? There are a lot of uh, places where people are saving their time and money or making more money. And now it's like, what do I do with all these resources? Right, they want ways to experience a better way. Either they are traveling or they're spending it on other forms of entertainment. So that's why mobile gaming has become such a massive industry. And fifteen years back, it didn't even exist. Right, and uh, I think I would look at the PC game, as, PC and console gaming, as a completely different market to mobile gaming, simply because the target audience is so different. And that's why even the content and all is designed with bit size three-minute sessions so that anybody, people of all ages, like 60-year-olds playing the game and 10-year-olds playing the game, right? And coming closer to India, yes, we are an entertainment hungry market. If you look at our movie industry, it's like we've always been right up there, right? India has been a developing market in so many sectors. When it comes to entertainment, our expectations are always world-class, Right. And if you are able to crack this market, I think it's uh, something going to be something very magical and phenomenal.
0: And uh, the kind of smartphone penetration that, that, that has happened in the last few years, coupled with Internet and the microtransaction facility. I think that has really fueled the gaming ecosystem where now it is accessible to a person in a tier three town as well. So it's no longer a niche industry catering to tier one audience. It has penetrated to the grassroots levels. And with UPI, it is helping you enhance your experience even by paying a small amount. So I think all these three combinations, smartphone, internet, UPI, they are creating that fantastic ecosystem where user has complete choice. What kind of games he wants to play, when he wants to play, how deeper he wants to... uh, immerse
2: in the game. Yeah, and I, and I feel that there are maybe a couple of more uh, aspects of gaming which makes it such a unique form of entertainment in the sense that, one, it is very active, right? The user is involved in the game. It's not like watching a movie, uh, or watching Netflix for that matter, right? Where you're sitting back, it's a lean-in experience uh, for, uh, for the gaming parts, much more engaging. And the second piece, increasingly, and I would like your opinion on this, is the social element of it right i think uh, gamers are not just in the game to uh, to get entertained but it's also a forum and a community where they're really uh, connecting with other uh, with other users isn't that
1: yeah i think Kiti would testify that right? you know the social aspect of it actually got uh, hooked on to gaming in the first Well, yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. let's hear from you Kirti.
0: Yeah, so it's like a lot of times, you know, you see people around you playing a certain game and they're talking about it. And it's kind of a FOMO now. So if everybody is talking about PUBG, I remember that when I first started playing PUBG, it was actually a bit difficult to learn the game. But I ended up giving it six to seven tries just because I knew I had to play the game to be able to talk to friends about it so that way I think uh, that is one part and the second part is that yes in gaming you end up interacting with people whom you otherwise wouldn't so it kind of nurtures that online communication where there is a common topic so you know if somebody is playing a certain game they have something to talk about that game there's a bit of like-mindedness and it's very easy to connect as well so it is definitely there And yeah, gaming is, I would say it's so much interactive where you control your journey, basically.
1: So if you ask some of the kids today, they would say their social network is actually Fortnite. Right. And that's how people get together and they plan their stuff. Sometimes they're not even playing the game. They're just interacting with each other inside a game and they're attending music concerts inside a game. And this is something that is like a completely mind boggling. As to how people are using games as a platform.
2: That's fascinating. So I think that yeah, it is. It's much more. So gaming is much more than just entertainment, and gaming really is, as you correctly said, uh, the place where uh, you know gamers hang out. I mean, it's a place to uh, uh, where you have your own identity uh, and so forth. So it just goes much beyond what just a, a passive uh, entertainment might be. But what? But yet. I think that it is not, uh, but making a successful game is uh, is, is not that easy. Uh, so, what goes into creating a um, into a successful game uh, is a probably question to ask at this point of time. And uh, perhaps, how long you can tell us what is the reach and uh, spread of HitWicket itself.
1: Correct. It. So today we have three million downloads across seventy plus countries. And the beauty of the product is we have people who are 10 years old and 60 year olds who are playing our game. And there are very few products in the world which have such a diverse spread of uh, age groups. And the biggest challenge with game is it requires both your left brain and your right brain where your your creativity and technology are working together seamlessly to craft a mind-blowing experience to a user. Right? In a game, you're not actually solving a problem. You're trying to give a user an experience. And there's never a clear answer as to what you need to build. Right? We do do a lot of data science to understand what is working, what is resonating with the user. But a lot of it ends up being intuition and doing emotional design to figure out what is the right direction to build the product. And that's why if you see even in the last... 10-15 years, although so much of money has gone into building games, they've been those 20-30 products which have really nailed it. And those guys have been literally at the top of the market for more than 10 years. Right? Some of the top-grossing games have been at the top of the charts for more than 10 years. So although more games are getting built, it's the people who managed to crack the market. They've literally stayed on top for like really a long time. And uh, that tells you both about the lasting effect and the difficulty of building gaming products.
2: It is, uh, I love the way you said it, that uh, it is not a problem you're solving, but building an experience. And that's why it makes it like a fuzzy, uh, a fuzzy problem space, uh, right? Because, uh, you know, gamers and human beings in general are, are complex and actually going into something deeper. Uh, such as a, such as an experience is a much harder thing to uh, uh, thing to crack. So does it uh, so what leads to uh, you know this longevity of games because then then by that uh, uh, in a point which you made, Kashyap, gaming becomes a hit driven business, right? I mean you make one game and it becomes a hit. Uh, and then these gaming franchises which we see over which last decades, what is the secret of those things? When you think about Call of Duty or Doom or World of Warcraft, any of those things, we just last you know, number 17, right? Uh, of Grand Theft Auto uh, uh, coming out and so forth.
1: Right. I think there are two major components. One is the brand. And uh, once people get hooked onto it, gamers t- tend to stay loyal to a brand. Once they get hooked on, they see, so they are open to trying out newer versions of the what the brand is releasing. And the second important thing is the market. Great example here is FIFA. Been running for more than 20 years as a franchise. And year on year, you only see it increasing. And what they have done is football market, the football fan is what they are betting on. So technology has involved PC game became mobile game and console game, etc. But the market for FIFA has only gotten bigger and bigger. And the way the brand has been able to capture the user is because they're betting on the market, right? So the longevity is as long as football is popular, there will be a market for FIFA. And their goal is to be the number one player for football. And that's how even we are visualizing uh, how it needs to be done. Because, uh, yes, building a game from scratch, now it's only going to get harder because the user has already played a game as good as a Clash Royale or a PUBG. So any new game they try, they expect the quality standard to be this much. Right? It's not like, okay, it's a new game, I'll give it a more way. No. They're like, I'm gonna, I'm very everybody values their time. They're like, I'm gonna spend my time on a product that gives me the best possible experience. 10 years back, anybody could make a game and people would give it a shot. Now the standards are so high. Now it's like 2D to 3D animations and the performance on the mobile, how realistic it looks how exciting it feels and all. It's like just way too hard to build that product. And uh, that's why it takes a while to polish it to the experience that a user wants.
2: So how do you think about the Indian gaming? And i just uh, building, uh, moving the lens to, the, uh, to India, um, both from the Indian gamer, if the Indian gamer behavior is different than uh, any global gamer, that's one question. And a related question is that: uh, What, uh, how should the Indian game uh, developers who want to get in and uh, start creating games think about uh, think about their opportunity?
1: Right. So, a lot of ways in which we visualize business uh, when we look at the Indian market. I think everyone's talking about the, there's an India market and there's a Bharat market, and that's something even we have seen from our own data that there is a certain uh, segment of users. Who have much more in common with a UK or an Australian or a US user? That would be your Indian urban audience, and then you have the Bharat user who behave completely differently, right? And we have we can if you look at our data in terms of how quickly they convert into paying users or how much time they spend, it's very easy to segment these users, right? Because the behavior is so uh, clear cut, siloed. You know, some uh, set of users what they spend on inside the game also tells you like the urban audience wants to spend money in order to progress faster right and the rural audience wants to uh, spend money to play more right and that's a very clear cut difference where the business model should be able to accommodate both set of users and engage them at the same time
2: makes sense um there's
0: also an aspirational element in the indian gamers where People don't mind spending for entertainment. I'm like just shifting away a bit from gaming. I'll give you an interesting uh, story. So, when I was working in Indian Oil, uh, I was in Jodhpur, and a lot of these truck drivers used to change their Hello Tunes every hmm. 20 days. Now, they are paying for that entertainment and even paying 100 rupees for a person whose monthly income itself is 15,000. It's a good portion and it's not even something that he is listening. But he wants others to know that, you know, he's not your regular uh, guy. He's put something which defines him. And that I think is very interesting where even if not for a bigger purchase, people in India also have the propensity to make small purchases.
2: That's a fascinating example because I think it's, it comes back to the identity piece, isn't it? Yeah, uh, it's part. It's part of your identity and the gamer identity, where you might be the top, you know, uh, national or local uh, PUBG player or a hit wicket player or a hit wicket uh, team uh, owner, is is a matter of pride and it's, it's a matter, matter matter of identity. So uh, let me uh, shift gears a little bit here uh, and uh, go towards uh, talk about Web three. There is so much talk about Web three and gaming. Uh, and it's kind of like hard to discern a signal from noise. So maybe I'll uh, ask you, akashyap to first, what is Web3 gaming in your point, in your uh, in your worldview?
1: Got it. I think uh, we'll have to bifurcate, like there's some part which is a technology piece, and the second part, which is a use case piece. The technology on the Web three, with uh, blockchains and decentralization and all those things, yes, they're revolutionary technologies. I mean, it's going to have a long lasting impact going forward how technology itself evolves. But the use case part is particularly interesting because it's an evolutionary change, which is what makes it inevitable. Right? The way games used to be paid downloads, paid to download and play, they moved to free to play. right? I see a similar sort of a shift when it comes to Web3 gaming. right? In the sense that earlier on, people uh, think of it like a PvE game where user is playing against the computer. right? Previously, the business model was user used to pay the game developer. Now the market has evolved to PvP where users are playing against each other. Similarly, I believe business models will turn to a PvP model where there are marketplaces where users are able to trade with each other. Right? So across the game, uh, across the world, if we see, when we talk about Web3, it's essentially the marketplace that is the main use case that has led to user engagement, user getting immersed into the product, right? which was previously not possible without the advent of uh, blockchain technology. Right. That's where Web3 has opened up another avenue for gaming itself. And one that I think will actually enhance both engagement and monetization, and uh, that's a great, uh, interesting future to look forward
2: to. Yeah. So uh, Axie Infinity, of course, is the um, is a pioneer in in Web three games, right? But when I think of Axie Infinity, you have the assets which develop and can become, uh, and you grow the uh, you know the Axies. In the case of Axie Infinity, in your case, it would be I guess the players which become better have more powers have more capabilities and then you can trade them but there's also this aspect of tokens uh where in the case of axi the equivalent example would be in-game tokens which are slps uh and what how should a, a developer think about it do you think all web 2 games will become web 3 and what would an evolution or transition from web 2 to web 3 uh look like Got it. So when we say Web3, it's
1: essentially going to be the layers of a marketplace, a token, be it the governance token or the using tokens. Right now, not all Web2 games will migrate to Web3. I'm sure of it. They're going to be massive games built only on Web2. And most games are actually not suited for this migration because the games themselves don't need the marketplace or the tokens in order to be a complete loop. They probably remain just as fun being on Web2. Right? But uh, going forward, if there may be certain games where Web3 actually enhances the experience, I think that's a key part that developers need to think about is, are we adding a Web2 layer only for monetization or does it enhance the game? Right. Whenever we add Web3 only for monetization, there's a tendency of them losing the fun part as a trade-off for monetization, and that usually does not lead to good results on the long term. Right? So the Web3 layer, we should take a strong look at it. How does it enhance the game, make it more fun for the user? And that as a side effect leads to greater monetization, opening up different business models.
2: And the, one of the challenges at least I see uh, is the fluctuating price of tokens in that case, right? When you actually use tokens, uh, it's a free market uh, once you have introduced tokens, on-chain tokens, and the prices can fluctuate. so why when and how do you think it makes sense to uh for the game to introduce tokens in your opinion
1: i think one uh very important aspect is stability right the game needs to have a significant user base before tokens can be in a place where they are stable right the lesser the number of users you have holding the token and the more uh, fo- uh concentration of tokens in single entities, it tends to be a higher fluctuation. So having that scale, the very large number of users holding that token automatically gives a sense of stability to that token itself. Right. So that's one aspect. And second thing is that the moment you have so many users at the base, I mean without a token, that means the game is already certainly fun to play. Right. These are users who are playing even without the token right so that automatically brings a level of confidence of users that okay yeah this game can be played even though there are no tokens and uh, that makes it easier to design a token system which is not used as an incentive I think the problem becomes when a token is used as an incentive to get a user to play rather than reward the user for already playing the game
2: yeah I I think that uh, the thing which I believe game developers need to be just really cognizant of is that it's somewhat irreversible. The process of introducing a token, and then once once the users have it and it starts trading and so on and so forth, a lot of thought has to go in on whether it makes sense in the first place to have a, a freely tradable token for a game. Uh, and the second point which you are uh, making, Kashyap, here, which uh, you know, if I were to paraphrase, is that you have to focus on actually creating a very sticky. Compelling game experience and the game loop for the user, where you're attracting the user, where the users have that right balance of making progress yet finding it challenging, mm-hmm. uh, and which really gets them to be engaged and provide the high quality entertainment experience uh, for them, and then the play-to-earn, which is what we hear uh, Web three, uh, you know, being synonymous with. Can be an added layer on top of it, or something right. which is a you know a catalyst to make uh, more users uh, uh, have a better experience and attract more users. But starting out with just making play to earn, where the motivation is to come and earn, sort of misses the main point of a game, uh, which is uh, which is the gameplay. Right. Exactly. And. So I think that we're uh, uh, sort of like uh, uh, running up uh, towards uh, on time here. So let me uh, ask you that: What would be your advice to a new uh, uh, entrepreneur right now who is starting out in gaming? Uh, and from all your years of experience in HitWicket, uh, to both of you, what would you uh, what would you advise the dos and don'ts uh, to create a successful game? Okay.
1: I think the most Important uh, aspect is make the game fun, and uh, we should not think about anything in terms of monetization or Web three or anything of that sort until the core gameplay is fun, right? And that is the part that requires like a lot of iterations. When I'm, I'm say iteration, I'm talking about forty to fifty iterations of game prototypes in order to continuously play until the moment you see the people in your team getting hooked on to it, keep iterating. It's too expensive to build a full game and launch it and then see, hear the bad news from users. (laughs) (laughs) It's a game. People in your team will try it out. So it needs to be good enough for them to get hooked. And that's how we should uh, take that before you even go to the next step of monetization and uh, retention.
0: And uh, I think it's very important to understand the game from a user perspective. Because a lot of time, it's like, okay, I'm playing games, I like games, so I will make games. But that is very different from, you know, what people will engage with. And uh, that's where we need to be very mindful that we create something that is very user-centric. Because at the end of the day, you know, they are the masses who are going to play the game. So shouldn't be chained by your own thought process or your own liking. And, you know make sure that it is open and it's appealing to a wider TG. That way, even the kind of data that you get is big enough for you to make decisions, to understand and get meaningful insights out of it.
2: Wonderful. Well, Levi, uh, How how is your own rating in HitWicket?
0: Yeah, so we are actually one of the highest rated games uh, in India on both Play Store and App Store. Uh, and yeah, it was a bit of a special moment when we were even uh, higher rated than Clash of Clans and Clash Royale. That was a testimony that we are making a world-class product from India, which is resonating both with Indian audience and international audience.
2: Well, congratulations on that, uh, Kirti and Kashyap. Uh, it's uh, terrific having you on the podcast and all the best uh, with cricket. I mean, cricket is in the air. We have other T20 World Cups starting imminently. And I'm sure that that will. that we have a good day ahead for our hit Thank you. Thank,
1: Thank you. Great.
0: Thank, Thank you, sure Lovely chatting with you. Bye.
2: Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast. Subscribe now on your favorite podcast app for free and you'll be the first one to know when new episodes are available. Just search for Prime Venture Partners Podcast in Apple Podcast, Spotify, CastBox or however you get your podcasts. Then hit subscribe. And if you have enjoyed the show, we would be really grateful if you leave us a review on Apple Podcast.
0: To read the full transcript, find the link in the show notes.